everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire Jahananan. I am the retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian casualty CDG. But since it's 2022, I've decided I'm going to go by a new name this year. You can call me Gary. And I have been dubbed the professional media and movie mastermind by many. Um, and the many that have dubbed me that are on this very podcast. And that's it. Those are the only people that have dubbed me that. But I'm still going to wear the title loud and proud. Um, the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And thank you all for joining us here on episode 26. Wow. Our first episode of the year 2022. That's pretty exciting. And our yeah, last one. Cool. Fuck you guys. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Everyone was here for the last episode of our stream. <laughs> it's um, kind of exciting as as new podcasters. I mean, we really started the podcast about six months ago because we're on episode 26. Weekly, yeah, so it's yeah. about half, half a year. A little over. And now we're starting starting the year off with, with a podcast, uh, with a recording session. So it'll be fun to see how this year goes and how it changes and how it grows or doesn't grow or what we decide to do with it. Dare I say this year is starting off with a bang. We're recording on the first at night and there are fireworks going off in all three of our backgrounds. So for anybody listening who's hearing popping in anybody's background, it's not your speakers and it's not our audio. It's everyone's festive uh, a day late. Yes. You got to love it. You got to love how New Year's Eve, there's all the fireworks and then new year's day you think all right it's done they did it all last night and then it's like no we still have those fireworks left that we bought that we didn't get to <laughs> light off last they're night gonna be, so they're gonna be they're gonna be doing again. it for like a week or two and it's always been day. like that our whole lives like it starts uh december 24th like they're trying to shoot down fucking santa claus right and then it just goes on way past when it should like all the way to the 10th or 12th um do you guys have any resolutions for 2022 this is a day to talk about resolutions what's what's on your plate i don't know about I, mean, I well i want to lose some weight <laughs> okay yeah, i put on a lot right. of weight during quarantine nothing uh, wrong with getting healthy i recently got a certificate from college hey, so i'm gonna get uh hopefully a good job and uh yeah get a get a new place that kind of thing those are some good ones those are some good resolutions how about you drew I would say, actually, some of my resolutions are actually kind of, kind of fall in line with this podcast itself. It's this is something that we started last year, and I've always had always told myself I wanted to do something like this, and now we're doing it, and we're growing, and we're learning, and I feel like we're getting better at it on a week week to week basis, and. I hope that that's a resolution that we can continue growing, whether it's growing our audience or growing our. Um, our connections, you know, with, with yeah. people and, and, you know, branching out. And I think that that's a, a, a big goal of mine. I mean, there's all, also, of course, all the health stuff, like Jahan has said, I think that's kind of every year for me, for sure. Um, but I, I think that a lot, a lot of my resolutions this year will be professionally with my, my real life career, but then also with, with this kind of stuff, you know, I always, play video games or watch movies and things like that in my spare time. But I hope that this year I can put some focus into some things that are a little bit more productive, which primarily means this podcast, because I really enjoy doing it. So I hope that we can grow this within the next year. 
Yeah, as far as healthiness goes, I'm I would like to spend more time outside in nature, walking on you know trails and uh, you know walking about and experiencing outside some more. Uh, and I'm not still so stoked about people, but like I feel like I always have. <laughs> feel like I always have somewhere to be you know what I mean uh, you get in a car you go to a spot you do the thing and then you go back to where you're, you you go to the next spot and you do the things until you get back home uh, and I think that in this next year I'd like to start trying to enjoy like being at a spot or the the trip to maybe it's more than just uh, going doing a thing and coming right back I think there's probably some part of a journey to enjoy in between there and I think that's part of my 2022 focus you mean kind of like doing something to be able to actually enjoy it whereas not doing something just because you feel obligated to do something right like if you need to like run to walmart to get diapers yeah. uh, you're gonna have this kind of anxious feeling to get in the car go to walmart get the diapers turn around come back home and then the anxiety is going to go away a little bit and i i kind of feel like every situation is almost like that like if i'm if i'm leaving uh, it's just to get somewhere and do something and then get back uh, so I think there's probably more to enjoy, right? There's probably, I'm, I'm, I think I'm missing a step. And uh, that's why I think I'd like to spend more time in nature to, to just kind of <laughs> reset and see and see the things that you don't even know that you want to see, you know? See, I don't know if you're missing a step. I think you and me just have crippling social anxiety. <laughs> well, that's also true, but we also have to work, uh, you know, you got to work away from it. You do, you do. And it's been, yeah, it's gotten much worse during quarantine. But yeah, no, I also got a bunch of camping stuff recently. I want to go uh, do some of that, you know. And yeah, like Drew was saying, uh, this podcast has been doing really well. I've really enjoyed it. Uh want to double down on it and get things going. And uh, same thing, like like he was saying about the context, like with our other stream, with our TTRPG stuff. We know people uh, from Paizo now. We know people from Wizards of the Coast. You know, like we're making all these contacts. And I would love to see that trickle over to this side of things where we're meeting movie people and... Uh, Ooh, that would be awesome! TV shows, Netflix people start to get even to know. other critics or and other critics, yeah. Whoever it is that we can have, you know, actually, as of this time, we've done twenty six episodes. We've only ever had one episode that had a guest on the show, and, True. and Nico was great. You know, it was a, actually a really great interview. Yeah, I hope best that we guess probably th- of the whole year. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. <laughs> uh, I hope that we can do more things like that. Um. You know, and hopefully that pulls in more, you know, I was going to say more following, but I don't mean it to sound like that from a vain standpoint of like, oh, I just want yeah. my audience. Like, it's hey, like wanting success can, is normal. But if we can, you know, find somebody out there, even if it's just one person that says, hey, I, these guys are kind of cool. I like them. Then, hey, I'm that I'm happy. With I, I've been really surprised by uh, the amount of people we know. Uh, that listen to us. Uh, you know, Kyle, guess where Kyle listens to us, I found out recently. <laughs> Apparently, we're his favorite bath time podcast, which is really <laughs> weird. So, hi, Kyle in the bath. Good Whoa, to see you. Kyle's naked right now. Mm-hmm. Only if he's listening to us. He's behind. But also, like, my uncle listens. Like, I don't know, man. Like, a lot no, of people. Does that mean your uncle is naked right now? <laughs> no. I hope not. I know that Robert listens to us, and that means that Robert, Robert listens. To, yeah, no, we've had a lot of uh, support Robert from might a lot be of naked people. Is what I was gonna say. He could be naked right now. Connor could be naked right now. This is a slippery slope. Speculating on who could or couldn't be naked right now. 
Look, First of all, the people they're listing right now are people that we know in real life. So if you don't know us in real life, you know, feel free to reach out to us on social media. Maybe we'll shout you out on the podcast someday, too, as a random person. that. Yeah, may let us know. Uh, to us naked. Yeah, let yeah. us know. Clothed or not clothed uh, for listening. Bath Time cool. Podcast. Yeah, that's right. The best, the best bath time podcast. Fresh out the podcast. Fresh out the bathtub. Mm. Uh, I was thinking the other day about uh, maybe the worst invention ever. Uh, it's used teeth. And that way you don't have to get dentures. You can just get used teeth instead. Uh, let's just keep them in circulation. That's a perfect point for me to transition to to our best of the year conversation. On that lovely note of things I have never contemplated before. Uh, um, we actually each put together a list of our top... Uh, so three separate lists, our top movies, our top TV shows, and top games. And when I say three separate lists, I mean each of us have our own three separate lists that we made independently of each other so that we could each kind of do a bit of a countdown for each subject um, to go through some of our favorites, compare, contrast, um, see who has maybe some things that line up on Before you get started, lists. I'd like to point out that I didn't... <laughs> To Jahan pointed out before we started, I cannot follow instructions. None of my top five lists are top fives. Two of them are top fours and one is a top six. And they're also not in order. They're just things that I think you should consume this year, from this past year, from 2021. Uh, so, like you said, we we developed them differently. We We picked our things differently. And then I just did it my own way. So strap in for a ride. You know, yeah, like, I mean, there's you a, did your best. It's which our, our audience show, probably you know? knows. We can our audience our who knows on our show. A lot of our audience who knows Gary in particular knows he, he does work well with structure. And I try to structure the show. But if you try to enforce too many rules, then, you know, the rules are just made to be broken. So try to give these guys a little bit of freedom. I try to guide us with a little bit of structure. But also, you know, if you don't have a top five, that's fine. Like, may, maybe they're... I, it's possible that there's a year where there's only two video games that you really liked. Like, that's a strong possibility. You might play more than that. That doesn't mean you necessarily enjoyed them all. That's the exact thing I have here, is I played a lot of video games, but I, I have four on my list. It's four that I think that you should buy or spend time with, but it's I don't have a top five list. I, I have a fifth favorite, but you don't need to hear it because you don't need to buy it. Well, do we want to start with movies or TV shows or games? Any preference on, on your end? Nah, um, take it away, Drew. TV shows or games. Let's start it off with TV shows because I think everybody has like a, a streaming service, right? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's a good point. Because for me, I, as much as many movies as I watch, I feel like a lot of people are in the streaming TV realm. And my list is probably the weakest of each of ours because I watch the least television shows. So I'm interested to see um, what each of you have to say. Do we want to, like, should I'm I just go ahead and list games. my number five and then we go around and we each say one and, and do it that why way? Don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about your shows? And if we have some of those shows, we can kind of talk about it and then say, hey, that's on my list, too. Um, and Jahan's list is like slam dunk strong as hell. So why don't you go first? My list is strong as hell. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then I'll go and then Jahan can go. Okay, perfect. So I'll start with my number five. 
Um, and this is, of course, as me being a reality TV junkie, as being a lot of the TV oh, I consume no. is reality TV. And so my number five has been the Challenge All Stars, which is streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Um, as somebody who is a big fan of the Challenge, which has been running for like the better part of twenty years or so now, for a long time, um, there <laughs> has been a new. Gary literally just got up and left. So, and that's fine. I'll keep talking about it. Uh, (laughs) um, The Challenge All Stars. It's it's just another season of the Challenge that that has aired exclusively on Paramount Plus. They still have their main series that runs on MTV, but All Stars has been really enjoyable because it's very. Kind of like it follows the OG format of of the Challenge show. The new newer version of the show that's on MTV has just branched out to a lot of other reality shows. There's a lot of other things going on. And this is like really more standard comfort food. And it's a lot of the older folks that were doing challenges, you know, 15 plus years ago for some (laughs) of them. And now they're coming back doing this as an, as adults. And for me, as somebody who used to watch them in high school and is now watching them as an adult, you can really kind of kind of sympathize with these people and what they're putting themselves through. Ah, my back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Can you get um, up the stairs without running out of breath? Yeah, you really are a big uh, reality uh, show fan. Uh, Don't you do something with Survivor, right? With uh, family friends? You do a competition, right? I do. We do a Survivor board where we try to... We basically try our best to guess the final four. Um, You want to guess the winner, Mm. of course, but then you, you know, the closest, the person who comes closest to having the final four eventually wins, which I've won many times to the point where that group considers me to be a villain solely because I've won so many times. (laughs) They just get mad at me for it. Like, Uh, so I've just become evil by, by association. Speaking of which, a listener, Robert Wallace would like me to point out, you're a loser. (laughs) Robert did win this year. Robert beat you. I mean, good for Robert. He got his first ever win, but you know, hit me up when you've gotten like four or five wins and you can really keep up with me. Ooh, he's throwing shade, Robert. Wow. So <laughs> he told he told me to rub it in your face on air, and I agreed. That, that sounds right. Um, I did not include Survivor on my list, but Survivor is just always the ultimate comfort food for me. It'll always be one of my favorites. I watch it every year, every season. Um, so anyway, that's the challenge. Uh, I'm going to move on to The White Lotus, which was an HBO. I think it was an HBO exclusive, but it was on, I watched it on HBO Max. This was a short um, miniseries that I just really enjoyed. And I know not everybody did out there, um, but this, for whatever reason... I tried watching a lot of pilots or first episodes of shows, and sometimes I wouldn't move beyond that. I didn't move beyond that with Squid Game, and weeks ago I said that I would, and I still haven't. Um, But The White Lotus, for whatever reason, it got me. It hooked me. I watched all six episodes of this and really liked it. I thought there were some excellent performances. I thought near career best for Steve Zahn in particular, who was really enjoyable in it. Some other folks that I really liked. Um, But there was just enough... It's it's one of those shows that not not even very much happens, but there's just enough intrigue to keep you going. And for whatever reason, this one just sunk its hooks into me, and I enjoyed it enough to put it on my top five list. So there you go. 
I liked it. I watched the first few, but I did not finish it. I was man. It just didn't hold me. I also I speaking of watching shows and the pilot not hooking you. This was one. I watched it and I watched the pilot and boy did it not do it for me. I watched two or three and I was just like, mm. like I didn't dislike it. I just kind of put it down and didn't pick it back up. You know, it's totally fair. I don't even I wouldn't even argue it. But for whatever reason, I really I really liked this one. Uh, my number three. So this is the only of the. Disney Plus MCU shows that I put on my list, but I put WandaVision at number three. This on my might list. also be the, I haven't looked, this might also be the only show that's on all three of our lists, though. Um, WandaVision, oh, I think that WandaVision, it was not just a show. I thought it was a cultural event. Um, I thought there was a lot that happened. Just, I think that was kind of, it, it's the next, it's the biggest next step to the new Marvel Universe. It's the one that brings in the old characters and kind of puts them to a close and shows you what direction we're headed. Uh, it really put Scarlet Witch on the map, even though she's been a character. Now she really feels like Scarlet Witch and not just a person with sorcerer powers. Uh, what a great show. An absolutely beautifully shot throughout the different decades uh, as far as the directing goes and the use of color. Uh, and even watching the making of was a whole lot of fun with all the different colors they had to film with so that would film the right way in black and white. Uh, I loved WandaVision. It was absolutely great, and it might have been my number one for the year if my list was ranked. So that was your number three, Drew? Three. That Um, was my number... Oh, that was my number one. Awesome. Hey, and you know, it's a, it's a great number one. Um, and my number two, there's, we'll talk about it when I get to it, but there's even, there's some fluctuation of if it should even be on this list. So, but we'll get to that in a minute. I think just the other thing I wanted to say about WandaVision, I think that Disney with WandaVision in particular, they kind of had a blessing and a curse on their hands because if you remember, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was supposed to air first. Uh, on, as far as I the Disney Plus that. MCU show goes. Yes, it was supposed to start... I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to start airing in August of 2020. If I have my dates right, I'm not looking at it, so I might be wrong. I know it was supposed to air first. It got delayed due to COVID. They had parts that they were still they still needed to shoot. The film sets got shut down. It got delayed. WandaVision was done sooner, so they ran, they ran WandaVision first. And I think that that worked out really well for Disney Plus because, A, it's the better of the two shows, WandaVision is, easily. And, but where it could be a curse is that now I feel like all the MCU shows that have aired on Disney Plus, which, looking back, shockingly, we got four Disney Plus MCU series this year, which is just kind of insane. Um, But I still think WandaVision's the best one. And I think all of them kind of get compared back to WandaVision in hindsight. So it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because it set them on, on such a strong footing, uh, such a strong start. And yeah. then, but, but it's also the thing that now we're all comparing the other shows against. Yes. And it seems like nothing has been able to live up to it. It, it set quite the expectation. Uh, the only thing that came close to me uh, to hitting that was Loki. I really liked Loki a lot. Uh, I almost put it on my top five list. Uh, I just didn't want to... I almost put Hawkeye on there, too. I just didn't want to have a, a top five of only Marvel, you know. Um, but WandaVision was... They, 
it was truly different. It was a different. It wasn't something that had been done before. It was a brand new thing. They uh, took some old concepts. They made them new. They took a lot of risks, um, and it it was amazing. It seems like they were really given a lot of freedom and a lot of confidence. Like the studio had confidence in this uh, and oh. let them make their vision, uh, and it, it it turned out great. Almost all of the supporting cast were amazing as well. Yeah. This wasn't one of those shows where as soon as they, you know, cut off to the supporting cast, you got bored or checked your phone or, or went to go refill your drink. Uh, you know, the, the things going on outside were just as exciting as the things going on inside the yeah. bubble. Um, and the uh, Agatha being revealed as the, the next door neighbor that's just all up in your business all the time. It was such a great trope, such a great character that we all know from, you know, the sitcom, that character. And with her being the one all up in Wanda's business, it, it just couldn't have been better. What a great show. WandaVision also seems to win the award for the most just fan speculation that there was for a show this year. Like, I just remember once things started happening in that show, there were so many fan theories of what villains and who and everything. And I think that a lot of the fans kind of got ahead of themselves and started expecting too much and then <laughs> ended up almost being disappointed with the way that the show ended. Um, but that shouldn't take away from how quality it was. If y'all had to do a really quick ranking of the MCU shows um, that have been out so far, I mean, to me, in my opinion, it's clearly WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier. Might... You switching Loki and Hawkeye, Gary? Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. I think that's the; those are the two that are probably interchangeable. Damn, correct. In the ranking. Yeah, that's what I did too. So anyway, just yeah, but yeah. So well, and it goes to show, Wandavision is on each of our lists. Uh, if you're going to watch one, one of these MCU yep. shows, this is the one to watch. But let's be real; if you're watching this, you're probably watching all of the MCU shows. Uh, anyway. Also, let's be honest: if you're going to watch two MCU shows, watch Wandavision and then go get Netflix and watch Daredevil. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I've been rewatching. All the more relevant now. I've been rewatching Daredevil, and it is better than I remember, which is so rare. Like, I'm like, holy crap, this is, like, the bad guy's character development. Oh, my God. We're, we're going to talk about Daredevil, I think, next episode. I put it on my list. <laughs> um, so my number two for top TV, and this is arguable that it would be a TV show. Spoiler alert, Gary actually has this on his list of top movies, um, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but anyway, I, I'm going to keep it here on my TV list. It's debatable, but I put uh, Bo Burnham inside, uh, which is Bo Burnham's, you know, pretty amazing special um, that he created during quarantine that aired uh, earlier this year on Netflix that I will say for me, at least my circle of friends and podcasts I listen to and everything, this really seemed to make an impact yeah. with people. Like a lot of people watched this. A lot of people were listening to the songs after it's really hard to categorize it because it's not necessarily a, a it could be categorized as a comedy special. It is nowhere near a traditional comedy special. It's really more artistic than that. So it could be categorized almost as a movie, but I, I put it here as, as under my top TV. So, um, yeah, I mean, John, did you watch Bo Burnham? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, it was 
it was fantastic. Uh, it was. I didn't put it on any of my lists because I don't think it fits in the categories uh, personally. But I can see. I'm glad someone put it somewhere and we could talk about it. Um, it was. I mean, it was one of the best pieces of media put out in 2021 for sure. And the songs alone are uh, worth it. You know, they they the the songs have successfully embedded themselves into our society. Like uh, I, I hear that Jeff Bezos song all the time. Um, they, yeah. People use it to talk shit on Jeff Bezos, so that's awesome. Uh, he kind of dragged his nuts on that guy, which I am very proud of a fellow millennial for doing. Uh, and then the uh, Instagram song, amazing. Uh, White Woman's Instagram is fantastic. I, I don't know. He has so, There's so many things to praise about this special. Uh, and I'll I'll put it this way: it's on my TV list also because, frankly, I just haven't watched as many other TV shows. And if I didn't have this on the list, my list would probably just be four shows. <laughs> and with this, I'm able to have it be five. Whereas, if I put it on my movies, it'd have to be in my top ten, or excuse me, not my top five there as well. And frankly, I just don't want to bump one of the other <laughs> one of the movies off my list. So this can rest comfortably here. As the number two spot yeah, on you'll my... You'll get no argument shows. from me. Show, I guess it's it's a show, it's a movie, whatever. It's a special, right? Uh, it's neither one, every bit stand-up. Uh, I think that Bo Burnham's... That, that this one, and Bo Burnham in, in general, is one of my favorite comedians. And I thought that Bo Burnham Inside really had its finger on the pulse of 2021. And he was becoming 30... And I, you know, just became 32. So it felt really relevant to me. I just turned 33. Yeah. <laughs> no I, thanks. I, I agree. Um, and, and this is just honestly one of those things that I could talk about at length. And now I'm kind of feeling like I want to rewatch it again. So, you know, go figure. Um, but instead of spending too much time on it, I'll move to my number one because we have a lot of things to go through, um, which should come as no surprise based on how much Gary and I have talked about this show uh, throughout the life of this, basically since the existence of this podcast. But number one for me is Ted Lasso. Yeah, and... Ted Lasso also made my list. Yeah, and Ted Lasso, you know, season two that aired this year maybe wasn't as strong as season one, but it doesn't even matter. I still found so much joy to be had in the show. I loved watching it from week to week. Um, you know, it was a show my wife and I sat and watched together every week. I mean, it was just, even for, for a half-hour comedy show that was airing week to week. Like, no. I got just as excited for that as I would, if not more, for an episode of, of WandaVision or something. I just loved yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I completely agree. And especially, I know this is another reason why it's kind of gone viral, but it's just been the feel-good show to watch during this horrible pandemic and, and that can cause a lot of bad feelings. This show has brought people a lot of happiness, and I am um, not afraid to admit that that I, it has brought me happiness as well. You know, add me to the group. The show is wonderful. Um, so Ted Lasso sits at number one on my top TV yeah. list. And you know what? Next year, if season three is is as good, is even half as good as, as the first two seasons have been, it'll probably be at number one on my list again next year, for all we know. But, it'll um, probably be on my list. I mean, it won seven Emmys, right? 
It went a lot. It went a lot. And, you know, I've seen a few episodes, and it's funny, and I like it, and I do intend to watch it. Uh, And my dad was just complaining today. He's like, where is it? Why isn't it back yet? Uh, Because my dad loves uh, Ted Lasso. The cast is great. The supporting cast is absolutely hilarious. Uh, The writing is deep and fun and funny. It deals with mental health, which, you know, shout out big props for dealing with. Uh, anxiety and panic attacks and showing you know how severe they can be it deals with divorce and depression and uh, it was such a real show that deals with real problems and somehow every week it deals with family problems and every week you come out with a full heart and you come out happy and feeling good and they tackle all these serious problems in only 30 minutes it's just such a beautiful show i can't say enough about it um you should watch it and i think without ted lasso Apple TV is bullshit. <laughs> I think Apple TV actually has some uh, pretty good stuff on it. I just I have trouble watching it because I don't have Apple TV. I will say this: Apple TV will be coming up on my top movies of the year, so we'll uh, it will be coming up again. But okay, so we'll, we'll get to that. That's a little it is not bullshit. I mean, so I started watching, I watched some of the Foundation. I didn't finish it, because, uh, like I said, I don't have access. Uh, but that show is crazy, and it does some cool things. So Apple TV, they have some stuff, man. I really liked it when I saw Foundation 2, and just it came out at a time where I had, like, a million other things that I was wanting to watch, especially as we started getting into the fall, like, award season and things, a lot of things coming out there. Um I do plan to revisit it. I think that, oh gosh, you're all going to get me on an Apple TV tangent, and I don't want to. We, do we will circle back. Uh, they're what? making good investments. It's just not there yet. So I, I understand where Gary's coming from. I think it'll get there. It'll I think it will get there too. I think that they are doing smart stuff as well. Yeah, sure, uh, they'll get there, but without Ted Lasso, they're and heck, just buy a new Apple product. They'll like throw in two years for free because that's what they've been doing to get it out there. Like, yeah. just go buy some new Apple product; you'll get easy access. I promise. Uh, I I just got a new iPad recently, and it's like, oh hey, here's an additional three months of Apple TV Plus added to your subscription that I don't even have to start paying until April of this year anyway. So it's just it just keeps hopefully, getting bumped. Hopefully, I will have money to do so soon. Uh. I actually, I just got done. Is, do they make Oculus? Is that Apple? No. no. Facebook owns Oculus. Okay. That's Facebook. I just got to play with one. That's meta. That's, meta. that's right, meta now. Uh, All right, Jahan, my give top. me your TV shows. So my my top one, you know, this is going to be an anticlimactic list because you already know what my top one was. Uh, but here, starting at number five, uh, very much similar conversation with what you were saying about WandaVision. Uh, it was so, like, it was just cultural thing where everybody everything was squid games squid game squid game squid game for uh weeks and weeks people were eating this show consuming this show everyone loved it everyone wanted to know what happened next um fantastic show i'm so happy that a foreign language said a korean show uh was topping the charts here in america uh it's a sign of change i think uh, for the better, that people are experiencing other cultures in this way uh, it, to such a degree. You see the film Parasite by any chance, Jahan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just making sure, because you know, just uh, another Korean film that won Best Picture. I've the seen. Oscars. 
I've seen most of his movies. Uh, And one of my favorite movies of his is Memories of Murder. If you haven't seen that, it is one of the greatest movies I have ever seen in my life. Sorry, sorry to derail you. Um, back no, <laughs> Squid Game. I'm totally happy. I've, I'm upset. I've become obsessed with Korean uh, media lately. They do such good stuff, and Squid Games is an excellent uh, paragon of Korean media. So, uh, and that's my number five pick. Gary, did Squid Game make your list? No. So it was. It was fine. It was shot in a really pretty way and i thought the director did great work it was also just kind of a hyper violent show and even though i <laughs> that's though right I i'm remembering our conversations on it now sometimes i like hyper violence and you'll you know sometimes i'm just you'll, you'll think i'm you know contradicting myself when i like violent stuff but there was something about squid game that, that didn't uh, i didn't love I mean, watching it. yeah certain violent acts are different than others yeah, like no, i can probably. watch people get shot in the face all day but if you make me watch someone like choke a woman like that bothers me you know and what i mean I, I think back to when i was watching the dynasty warriors movie and there was a guy who was just cutting off people's heads and they were flying like 300 yards through a window landing in a room for no reason uh and it happened like five or six times in a row that's hilarious and anyone <laughs> could watch that. No, yeah, so there is difference, I understand. uh, Watching innocent people get gunned down for six episodes is enough. Squid Games is, it can be a rough watch. I will not argue that. And with your uh, PTSD, it's no wonder uh, that it's not on your list. Correct. It was good, and I'll tell you it was good, but it just wasn't good for me. Uh, My number four, The Witcher Season 2. I thought The Witcher Season 2 was better than season one uh it's a single timeline it's not a bunch of different timelines that you have to keep track of uh it is a single timeline and i think it's fantastic they really get into the monsters you get to see a lot of cool monsters uh you get to see the witcher be the witcher they develop their lore Uh, i believe that they deviate from the from the subject like the the core material a bit and people were all butthurt about that but um it I like it a lot. It does a lot of cool stuff. You even got to see uh, a walking house with uh, big old chicken legs. And a good old Baba Yaga uh, pop up for a minute there. Um, I like it a lot. I like where the story is going. I like what it did. I liked how it ended. And I like where it went. And I like where it's going. So that's my... Uh, I can't wait for season three and all the way to season seven. Which Henry Cavill has agreed uh, he said he's in it for the long haul if they do all seven seasons as they have planned. That's awesome. I've heard good things about it. Um, would you say that there's any recency bias here for you? That because it just came out and this is fresh on your mind, or do you feel you feel confident at its with its place on your list? Oh, I, I'm very confident with that one. All right. Uh, all right. It is. I like I like fantasy a lot. Uh, if you'll notice, I didn't put Wheel of Time on here. I like The Witcher better. Uh, I think Wheel of Time Season 2 might be really fucking good. Uh, I like what they did at the end of Season 1, and I think it's getting to a good place. But I'm very picky with my my fantasy. Uh, I do enjoy all of it, to a point, but The Witcher Season 2 was done really well, I think. Uh, And then, my next pick, Arcane, my first animated member of my list. 
uh, Arcane is uh, the the lore of Rune Terra, which is uh, League of Legends lore brought to life. You get to go into the streets of Piltover uh, and the Undercity, and you get to see Jinx and Vi. Uh, I thought that they were done very well. Uh, has nothing but strong female characters in this show, uh, and they're all done in a wonderful way. Uh, it's not like pandering, and I thought the story was fantastic. The bad guy is fantastic. I thought all the characters developed nicely, and it was just a fantastic show. I was like, like sometimes my mouth was just like agape while I was watching this show. I was like, holy shit, some of the greatest fight scenes I've ever seen. Also, Haley Steinfeld all over the streaming landscape. This she year is because she's the the lead in she's our. She's the voice of Vi, yeah. And then, of course, um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. And and then also she has a sh- an Apple TV Plus show that I believe just had its third season called Dickinson that has I have not watched it, but it uh, has gotten very very positive reviews. So you know, tune on any streaming service, you'll catch Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld killing it right now. She's killing it. Jahan, your next one on <clears throat> on this list. So earlier, I was trying to think of what my m- number one might be. And I said it might be WandaVision if I had ranked them. Uh, it also might be Invincible, uh, which came in at your number two. Right my number two WandaVision. pick. I almost forgot that it came out this year. And I was like, oh, man, because I was going through looking through everything. I was like, Invincible came out this year? That has to be on my top five. It hit my top two. Uh, probably. So there's a lot of Marvel stuff. Uh, a lot of cartoon all the, all the marvel universe all that stuff this is some of the greatest superhero anything i've ever seen it's yeah. fantastic uh they somehow managed to like have like the main character he's very similar to superman he is but he's like a you know if you haven't seen it you know he, he's stuff whatever but he's very similar but completely different they managed to have a lot of similar characters but the show is its own it's unique i love it uh, it has the main character, Invincible, is an Asian American, which is fantastic. I believe he's Korean, uh, half Korean. And then half Viltrumite, uh, which is an alien species. Uh, it it took me by surprise. I was not expecting to see one of the greatest things ever when I turned that show on. Uh, yeah, if you haven't I seen also, Invincible, you're crazy. Yeah, it it might be the best superhero thing and if it isn't the best superhero thing, then it damn well might be the best animated superhero thing. Uh, I, because... I can almost say with, uh, like, 100%, it might be the best animated superhero thing, period. Like, yeah. It is a violence warning on this one, though. Oh, They're, boy. Invincible, it, it, it tells that line of almost being too violent uh, at times. They, they really tell a message with their violence sometimes, and they let you know how just grotesque and horrible something is. That's usually why they use it. But uh, sometimes their artists are a little violent, happy. And a little. Uh, just, a, just a little. But I agree, it does seem that most of the violence is done with purpose. Correct. Uh, God, it's such a good show. Yeah, seeing it. This is my number two. And then my number one, we talked about already, uh, WandaVision. Yes, it beat Invincible. I wouldn't consider WandaVision a superhero show, really, though. Uh, but... That, that's my top five list of things I've been watching. I've, I watch a lot of shows. I'll say that I, I do consider WandaVision a superhero show, but I 
I think that WandaVision has every single element of the superhero story that Invincible doesn't have and vice versa. It's fair. Like, if you want to... Those are the two best superhero things to watch this year, and it's you like, should watch them both. It's been it's a like great same year. genre counter-programming, which is very <laughs> weird. It's, it's, it's a great year for superheroes. That's all you really need to know. If you're a superhero fan, you lucked out this year. Speaking of a great year for superheroes, uh, I, I have three shows left on my list that haven't been talked about. Um, my first one is My Hero Academia. My Hero Academia is, and it's such a great superhero story. Again, it's another great superhero story that it didn't start this year. We're in season five, but it's still continuing. It's still an ongoing show, so it's still current. Um, the subbed episodes are out. The dubbed episodes aren't. Uh, My Hero Academia, it, it, it immediately made me want to play a superhero tabletop role-playing game. And now we have like five or six tabletop games under our belt, maybe even seven for superheroes. Uh, and it's all because of My Hero Academia. Like, I wish they could get the money for that because it's their fault. Uh, and I want to play a hero in that setting, that story. I want to do, you know, the grow up through low powers, grow up through high school thing, go to superhero high school. Uh, get under a hero's belt as like an intern at a hero agency and then, uh, you know, become a sidekick, stuff like that. All of that seems like so much fun. Uh, and My Hero Academia is truly a joy to watch with the the powers. And uh, it's the first episode isn't really the show. Uh, it's it's It doesn't set the pace. If you watch the first three and you're not totally into it by the first three, uh, I don't know what to tell you. My Hero Academia is great. And I'll continue watching it until it's done. Yeah, I'm also a huge fan of My Hero. Uh, and the movies have broken the box office, uh, I believe, in Japan. And it's a, it's a great show. It really is. Uh, it does have some problematic stuff in it. But hey, uh, so does a lot of anime. It is fantastic. Uh, and it's, it's written by uh, someone who is a huge fan of Marvel, uh, they say in their interviews. That's uh, a lot of it's inspired by that, and American superheroes in general. I love it. Yeah, it definitely has uh, an, an an American superhero. It's it's an anime, right? It's Japanese anime, but it has an American superhero vibe to it, and it, it's just a really cool mix mash of cultures. It's a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, and I think all my all might's a great American superhero. All of his moves, he like calls out state names. Uh, and city names. Alabama Smash! <laughs> Alabama, yeah, it's really funny. Um, my, I have two more shows. They both take place in New York. Hey, hey, look at that. One is Wu-Tang Clan, which you guys have heard about Wu-Tang uh, almost the length of the entire podcast. And yet nobody has watched Wu-Tang in America's Saga except for me, so why do I even talk about it? <laughs> uh, Wu-Tang was one of my favorite things to watch this year. I waited every single Thursday until 11 p.m. when it would come out, and then I would go downstairs and watch Wu-Tang. I wouldn't wait for the next day release. I, I loved it. Annie and I loved watching it together. Um, it's, it's a biopic. It's a music story. It's a crime story. It, it just has enough... Uh, family and challenge and adversity to keep you interested it's just a little bit of everything um and i i enjoy it i say keep you interested it doesn't keep anyone except for me interested apparently uh 
And my final show is this. I keep saying it might be my number one. See, this is why I didn't bother putting anything in order. Because How To with John Wilson is one of my favorite shows I think I've ever seen in my entire life. But it isn't better than Invincible, and it isn't better than WandaVision, because it's uh, it's a first-person documentary with candid interviews with people off the street. It's weird as hell. I will say, I had never heard of the show before you mentioned it a few weeks back, and since you mentioned it, I have seen other people tweeting about it, and I've seen it in the conversation. And um, it sounds like people have very similar opinions to you, or they're just super intrigued by it. I definitely do want to check this out. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'm I'm intrigued to at least just put on an episode and see what's going on here. So seriously, the first episode is the one. That's the one to do. It's all about small talk. It's easy to watch. It's super funny. And then the second episode is about scaffolding. And so, like, as a person from Houston, you're just like, what? How to scaffolding? Who gives a shit? But it, he's in New York, and he goes on to explain how much scaffolding there is and why it matters and what it's what the whole purpose of scaffolding is. And it's just something about the way he delivers a story that you just can't stop watching. And his editing is so funny, especially as a, as a guy like you who watches movies and notices directing and editing. He just has this, this skill and this talent for catching the most bizarre shit in the background of everyday normal scenarios. And his editing style is just like... You know, he's looking at a thing, and the thing in the back is just like, what the fuck? And then that's, now that's the story he's on. That's the thing he's following. So it will just make you laugh out loud. Uh, How To with John Wilson. Can't recommend it enough. And that's it for our shows, boys, ladies and boys. Yeah, uh, that is our, our that is uh, Fresh Out the Podcast's top TV for... So I would say that there are a couple bleedovers. There is WandaVision, there's the Bo Burnham special, there is Ted Lasso, and there's Invincible. So those well, are... And I was going to mention also, it looks like Jahan had some honorable mentions here. Oh, yeah. Had some TV shows there. Uh, yeah, some honorable mentions. Uh, if you want to watch something crazy, different, uh, and I don't know, fucking weird. Uh, brand new cherry flavor is captivating. Uh, it is fantastic. I recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Uh, the leading lady is amazing. Uh, the content is strange witchcraft stuff. Um, it gets, it gets to a really weird place and some of the weirdest stuff I've ever seen happens in this show. Um, including some, uh, body horror stuff. Just, uh, Body horror mixed with pornography. I feel it's the best way to describe some of this. Uh, but yeah, check it out. It's interesting. Don't watch it with your kids. Uh, <laughs> and then also Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I didn't put it on my list. And I really like Cowboy Bebop. I liked it a lot. The Netflix remake, uh, I feel, did the subject matter justice. The casting was fantastic. Uh, Spike was great. Jet was ca- the most perfect casting I've ever seen. Anyone? Is this wound still sore for you? Is what? The cancellation? Is the wound still sore? I've gotten over it a bit, but I'm just so sick of toxic fans shitting on stuff. Like, you don't own the thing. 
you like it and you can like it or not but fuck off like people unfortunately people, you know as long as the internet is around that will be a thing yeah it's true it's just man like people make death threats to these people it's like calm the fuck down man like Cowboy Bebop should not have gotten shit canned after the first season. No, uh, I agree with Jahan. Maybe it, I mean, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best show ever, and maybe it wasn't. It definitely wasn't as good as the anime. But everyone knows that. Who gives a shit? It was a lot of fun to watch. I thought it was as good as the anime. Personally, it was an it was an awesome show, and I can't believe it got canned yeah. after one season, especially oh. so soon after it did. Yeah, that's just mm, well, it's not fair, and it's wrong. And then like. Uh, another, I want to honorably mention Disney Plus for giving us all these amazing shows, uh, to watch during these terrible times. Um, it's been a journey. I've seen every episode of every MCU thing they've put out and I loved it all. Uh, so thanks Disney Plus. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. And worth noting, you know, the book of Boba Fett just the first episode just launched it did so we only got one episode in 2021 that'll finish out this year but i you know i won't get in into that but depending on where it goes how it goes there's a chance that it could have been on my list had it all come out this past year so we'll we'll see we'll see where i liked the first episode i like the first episode we'll get to it next week we'll get to it next we'll get to it next week yeah both of it Uh, perfect. Well, it looks like those were your TV honorable mentions. So, are we moving on to games or or movies? Do we flip a coin or do we make a decision? Uh, I mean, let's let's keep it in the the watching stuff, I think. Let's go on to movies. Okay, okay. Sounds good. We're thinking, we're in that mindset right now, so... So I agree. I've got, a, um, I've got a movie on my list that is on everybody's list, so we can just start with that, if you don't mind. Sure. Also, my list is now only three instead of five, because I had Bo Burnham listed on my list for movies. So I have a quick list. Uh, Dune, right? Dune came out this year, and for some reason, somehow, we all put it in our top list. So we... we Dune, Dune is certified fresh out the podcast, apparently. Absolutely. Jahan and I both had Dune at our number three. And, you know, what more can you even say? We we literally did an entire episode dedicated to Dune. Truly, what more could we say? Um, I've rewatched it. Um, since I, I saw it in theaters. I watched it again on HBO Max. It comes out on 4K UHD disc in just a couple of weeks. And uh, you can guarantee I'll be picking that up. And I'll probably give it a third watch. Um, so there you go. I'll probably watch Dune again when we're closer to the release of Dune 2. And by probably, I mean that I will, because I didn't dislike Dune. Uh, I did think it was long. I did think there were, it was kind of boring, but I thought it was also absolutely beautiful when it was boring. So there, at least there was something to look at. Uh, I thought the acting, fantastic. Uh, Oscar Isaacs, fantastic. Uh, and then Charlemagne, fantastic. Everyone, every everyone in the main cast did a fantastic job of playing who they were. Uh, they really developed the characters right before your eyes. You really got a feel for who they were. Uh, the cinematography was beautiful. No, no one can argue. It was and some of the most beautiful uh, camera work ever. Denny Villeneuve directed the shit out of this movie. Mm. <laughs> let's, let's be real. It's just yeah, production design from 
beginning to end. Everything about it is wonderful. Jahan and I both had this number three. Gary had it on his list. So, yeah, Dune. It, you know, if you want to hear more thoughts of ours about Dune, go uh, go back in in our uh, episode list here. Yeah, we talk about Dune a lot. And, and uh, go watch our Dune episode. Or yeah, go actually, listen to our Dune episode, I mean. We actually just finished our 10-episode uh, uh, actual play of the Dune TTRPG from Modiphius Entertainment uh, the other day. Uh, it was one of our most viewed finals I think we've had. And uh, it ends roughly around the time that the movie ends. Uh, I don't know how that managed to happen, but it did. So, Very cool. Well, right. I... Uh... I will say, so my, actually all the movies on my list, it's kind of interesting. They all came out in the latter half of 2021. So actually all of these movies I've talked about at some point on the show. So I won't get too much into details. Um, Number five for, for me on the list is the last duel. This is um, the Ridley Scott film that came out earlier this year that stars um, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck, and Jodie Comer, and uh, it's a kind of medieval... It's been dubbed kind of the medieval Me Too uh, movie, because it kind of deals with the, the Me Too movement back then, but that <laughs> is a very... there's It's a very... Um, it, it's not a good way to describe it, because this, this movie, it, it tells... A great story. It's so well made, but it also kind of fits in line with other blockbuster movies. Um, it just like it has. I don't know. It just had everything that I wanted from a big movie this year, and it's unfortunate that it made no money and and nobody went to go see it. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's they just, blamed it on millennials and their cell phones. So yeah, yeah, that's good old. Ridley Scott in his 80s uh, saying stuff like that. You so. kids, you're damn... You're going to watch but, my movie about this rape and you're going to like it. But I, I loved The Last Duel. Uh, my number four is Steven Spielberg's uh, adaptation of West Side Story. Um, you know, I just talked about this here within the past couple weeks. Um, I loved it. I am actually dying to see it again. I just, there's been so many other things to watch that I haven't taken a trip back to the theater. So I'll probably watch this again when I'm able to view it at home. Yo, Gary. There's an episode of How To with John Wilson where he's walking around New York and accidentally walks onto the set of West Side Story. And he's confused that everybody looks like they're out of the 60s. And then he gets in trouble for filming the set and looking out of character. They make him go away. That's incredible. That's, That's incredible. That's pretty funny. Yeah, um, West Side Story, just my memory of it is so positive. I need to see it again. Um, I didn't put it at the top of my list because there's a couple other things that I think have just stayed with me a little bit more um, than it did. But I just still, uh, I loved it. I loved West Side Story. Number three was Dune, which we already talked about. My number two um was, is on Netflix and it is called The Power of the Dog and this movie stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons um, and Cody Smith-McPhee and it is a gosh it's it's very hard to describe this movie it's directed by Jane Campion it's a kind of slow burn western thriller but not a thriller I I just if you have any interest in uh, in movies, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's just such an 
interesting movie um, and where it goes and the performances are very powerful and it looks amazing. And this is another Netflix um, kind of awards season power play, but this one's really great. Um, and it's having me interested in going to revisit some uh, Jane Campion films because she has not made a movie. This is the first movie she's made in like over 10 years and it's getting a lot of attention. Um, ironically, she uh, directed a movie called The Piano, uh, which came out in 1993, um, that I believe may have won Best Picture. Uh, hold on. This is important that I get this right. Because there's an interesting little uh, Easter egg here for those that follow the Academy Awards. And it is... This is great podcasting. I this is great podcasting, Drew. <laughs> yes, okay. This came, Jane Campion was nominated for Best Director um, the year that this movie came out in the, in the 1994 Oscars. So Jane Campion nominated for Best Director for The Piano against Steven Spielberg, who directed Schindler's List, and Steven Spielberg won his Oscar that year. Um, again, Schindler's List won Best Picture, which The Piano was also nominated for. Mm. And the crazy thing is that was 1993, and it's very much looking like, once again this year, Jane Campion will be nominated for Best Director uh, for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg will be nominated for West Side Story. Um, and again, those movies both probably for Best Picture. The ironic thing here is a good good chance that Jane Campion's the one walking away with the gold this time. So it's kind of just fun when these things happen um, in the awards races where these people get nominated against each other once again. I find that stuff to be thrilling. There's, you know, another dozen or so people on this earth that also find that thrilling. But, you know, uh, Drew, you, you make it you all sound... Have to talk about it. Yeah, you make it sound like we know about movies. So we appreciate you... Once again, bringing credibility to our podcast. <laughs> it makes me think of like a team rivalry, except the teams are like 60-year-old nerdy white guys who don't care. See, it makes me think of like ancient, like evil demons doing a competition for the souls of children. That's what I think oh, is happening. Okay, Yeah, man, I, that was a close second for me. Narratives that are written around these award shows, the best one... Um that I can remember even close to something like this was back when the year the avatar came out and avatar was nominated for best picture. And James Cameron was nominated for best director against Catherine Bigelow, I his, his ex-wife. I, I thought and, oh, all right. directed avatar. Uh, different, different avatar, different avatar. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the Hurt Locker ended up winning best picture that year, which, and Catherine Bigelow won best director. Um, over her ex-husband James Cameron, the year Avatar came out. So that was another big uh, narrative. I actually, story. I actually remember that one because uh, yeah. people were talking about how he lost his ex-wife, and it was awesome. Yep. Um, so moving on. Sorry to hold us. <laughs> My randomness. My number one movie of 2021 is is Coda. Um, and this is an Apple TV Plus original film. This was a big Sundance darling uh, in the beginning of 2021. It played at Sundance back in January, um, got really great reviews, and Apple purchased it up for a 
very substantial amount of money. I want to say it was like a record amount of money that was spent on a Sundance movie at that time. Um, so this has been exclusively on Apple TV Plus and um, a good chance that it enters into the best picture race at the Oscars this year as well. I doubt it will win, but um, I loved it. It is a a feel good film that you can watch with the family. And I think that there are some highbrow critics that sometimes give these kinds of movies a little bit of flack for being a little bit emotionally manipulative, that they they know how to, to kind of appeal to your emotions and really get to you. I don't care. Um, this <laughs> does that, but in all the right ways for me. And maybe it's because um, there's a lot of family aspects with this. And for me, as someone who is a... a father and i have a daughter there are some things in this movie that just really really appeal to that side of me um but uh yeah there this everything about this just works for me i i I can't recommend it enough um to to not to get into it too much it is about a uh, a girl who her parents and older brother are all deaf and were born deaf. And she is the one who was in the family um, who was born with hearing. And so she has a really interesting relationship with her family because she has to act as an interpreter for them um, for a lot of things that they're, that they do with the outside world. Um, but her dream and desire is to be a singer and she's a damn good singer. And, Um, It's something that her family cannot relate to because they can't hear and they don't even know if she's any good and would have no way of knowing. And so it's interesting how the dynamics there play out. Um, It's very lovely and I highly recommend this. I give it my highest recommendation. There is also a secondary plot line where Wilson Fisk is trying to kill the entire family because her mom, the the deaf mom, shot Wilson Fisk in the chest. (laughs) That's, yep. Yep, that happened. Uh, no, it is interesting. I know that, you know, Just we're... Just looking with disdain in my... In my <laughs> I know that we're amateur, you know, podcast people, and we're not, you know, big-time critics or anything, but it is interesting that you put a streamed movie as your number one of the year. Uh, you know, I know that's not necessarily indicative of the entire critic community, but you're a critic, and hey, you did it. So... It's just interesting. It's a change. It's something new, uh, and it's they're starting to win awards, and it's just it's a whole new world. My and two Power of the Dog is a Netflix film, so yeah, the the top two were both streaming. Power of the Dog did get a limited theatrical run, but I I saw it at home, and uh, and even Dune number three, it was in theaters (laughs) and on HBO Max. I saw it in theaters, so I can brag, humble brag about that. But um, I watched it on streaming too. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird interesting. Year. Weird it's year for movies. Interesting to put put that out. Things are changing. Uh, so I think I'm going to start my list, my number five. Uh, if you're done talking about Coda. Speaking of. Yeah, I am. And the only other thing that I would mention is just some honorable mentions. Um, the Card Counter, which starred I- Oscar Isaac. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I just, I just really enjoyed it. Stayed with me, but it just didn't crack into my top five. And then, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, as much as I loved it and as great as it was and, and for event movies, um, it just didn't crack my top five, but I still loved it. It would for sure be in my top ten. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying, Gary? Uh, I was saying, speaking of streaming movies, uh, or, or yeah, right? 
yeah, HBO. We have Suicide Squad, right? Well, that was a streaming movie this year. Uh, the Suicide Squad. No, that was indeed. So, so uh, hey, we'll talk about we'll talk about that now because my number five pick, the Suicide Squad, uh, yeah, which was streaming on HBO uh, as well. And it was a fantastic, fun movie that blew its predecessor out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Gunn in rare form once again. Just boom. Just look at that guy go. He he can just take the most weird stuff and make it exciting. I don't know. He's very good at it. Uh, he did it with Guardians. He did it with Suicide Squad. And uh, I love all the characters. I'm excited for the Peacemaker show coming out. Uh give the Suicide Squad a, a rewatch in the next couple weeks before Peacemaker starts because I, I want that fresh. I'm looking forward to Peacemaker. Peacemaker looks so good. It looks like it reminds me, I keep saying it, it reminds me of The Tick. And I love The Tick show. Uh, Spoiler alert, we'll be doing next episode a, a look towards some things coming out in 2022 and I'm sure that Oh yeah, we Peacemaker talk about Peacemaker then. Future. Hell yeah. Peacemaker's on my list for that next episode. You're absolutely right. Hell yes. I'm excited. Uh, uh but John, yeah, that show also for for me that movie Two uh, Side Squad was on my list. I thought oh, yeah. that Two Side Squad was better than Spider Man. I loved Two Side Squad. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think I watched it two or three times in that first month it came out, and I, I don't know if I'll ever watch Spider Man No Way Home again. Uh, I love Two Side. You know, Two uh, Side Squad might be a more fun watch. Uh, I definitely can't say it's better. It has some issues. Uh, so it gets pretty fucking silly. Um, but it's still a great Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home also. I thought it wasn't necessarily great. It was just a lot of fun. And I thought that Suicide Squad was more fun than Spider-Man. I would disagree. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I feel differently about Spider-Man. Uh, my second pick... Uh, the the least favorite movie of on my list of Gary's. Oh. <laughs> I typed Wait, in. What are you typing? I, I typed in pig. Uh, pig with Nicolas Cage. Uh, but pictures of actual pigs came up. And yes. I was like, oh no. Pig. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So this is the pig. only pig rules. This is the pig. only. Rules. Pig ruled. Uh, this is the only like movie that I would consider like, you know, a critic bait movie that's on my list. Uh, it is. It's a dram. It's a dramatic movie. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it. Nicholas Cage did such a good job with this movie. Um, it it was shot great. The story was great. The acting was great. I loved it. It was fantastic. It's about a man. Uh, that loses his pig, but it's also about a man that lost himself uh, and goes off into the woods to be alone because he's like a tormented genius. Um, and when he comes back to society, he helps every person whose life he touched. Uh, and it is a great movie. And Gary's shaking his head. Uh, pig does not you have this. It should list. not have been in your top five. It, Why? It, because it was dog shit. It was a great movie. movie. Awful. It, it was was so bad, and it was so none good. of the things that you're saying. It was all the things it I said. It wasn't shot so well. It was none of the acting was so great. It was great, and he was not a genius who retired to the woods. He was a fucking chef mushroom guy. 
That beat a chef's heart. If there, if the race for best actor wasn't as strong as it is this year already, Nicolas Cage could legitimately. Be yeah, that I I thought he might and, for a second. Yeah, and no one else in that cast would even receive notable mention. <laughs> so to say all of the acting was so good is a all the acting was great. Only, only like two main cast members in that movie. Yeah. Only Nicolas Cage was good, not the other guy or any of. The I thought people. the other guy was good, and I thought that uh, a lot of the people right. that they interacted with. We already talked shit about Pig once. I just think Pig was so bad, so but so bad. I would like to point out that Gary's just wrong all the time, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gary has different opinions than the usual. If, if I had filled out a whole top ten, good chance Pig would have been. Yeah, no, Pig was great. I loved Pig. Pig. I put it in my top five. Uh, I was blown away by that movie. I was not expecting it to be good. What a stupid fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Gary didn't like the movie. Uh, but that's okay. You know, we can't be right all the time. Gary. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we're going to skip my number three. My number three, Dune. Uh, we already talked about it. So, we're going to move on to my number two. Uh, my number two movie, Shang-Chi. Uh, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I was really impressed with a lot of the action. you to give me the full title here, please? Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Thank you very much. Uh, I thought, once again, a great cast. Uh, a lot. Of, it was a fun movie. It, this, this one was a very fun movie. Uh, I just like... I don't know. Maybe I was starred for Marvel this year. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good, and I look forward to seeing him find his place in the MCU. Uh, I want to know what that looks like. I'm very excited for that. Uh, I think I'm spoiled on, like, multi-hero movies. You know what I mean? So, like, it was just Shang-Chi. It was awesome, but, like, I wanted somebody else to show up. Uh, And a couple people did make appearances, but uh, the bus fight scene is... One of the greatest fight scenes of the year, for sure. Um, it was fantastic. I loved it. I was glad when I finally got to watch it. And then, my number one... Uh, <laughs> which, Gary, it's gonna... Okay. Uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was my favorite movie of the year. Uh, Drew, you mentioned something earlier about it maybe just being recency bias. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of bias, because <laughs> objectively, probably not the best movie of the year, but for me, this was my, I I cried several times, I watched it a second time. Uh, you can't all be right all the time, John. Sometimes <laughs> the best movie of the year just isn't it, what you think it is. Yeah. Did it hold up well on a second watch? The second watch, so yeah, we were talking about that during our spoiler discussion before. Uh, and I was, we were comparing it to Endgame, and I was like, I don't know if the same moments are going to get me the same way they did the first time, uh, like they do in Endgame. Endgame every time. Uh, some of the moments still hit emotionally for me, and I was surprised. I was like, oh wow, I didn't expect to to well up at all at that. But uh, it does hold up the second time. Uh, I caught a lot of stuff that I didn't see the first time, uh, and it was uh, it was a fantastic movie. I loved it. I loved seeing. Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield return. Uh, and I hope that we actually get a third Andrew Garfield movie. People are petitioning for it, and it's possible. So. Say spoiler alert for that, but I'd say it's been a couple weeks, and I think a lot of the 
the spoiler embargoes have kind of lifted. I feel so like the spoiler embargoes. Spoiled, if you did, if Jahan did just spoil you, go tweet angrily at him. But yeah, go ahead. It's like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? If just if if you don't know you that they were in this movie by now, you aren't using the internet. <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't help you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, fantastic. I didn't spoil too much, so. Uh, it was my favorite movie of the year. Not just the biggest spoiler in the movie. But yeah, no, you didn't spoil too much. It's oh, not wow. the biggest spoiler in the movie. What's the biggest spoiler in the movie? Right? <laughs> you almost got me, Gary. Uh, no. So it was my favorite movie of the year. I don't think it was necessarily the best one of the year. But it was definitely the one that meant the most to me and that I enjoyed the most. You know what I liked more than Spider-Man this year? Everything. No, I I, I mean this in a real not a smart ass way. Mm. Invincible. I'll believe it when I see it. Invincible? Invincible. I liked Invincible more than Spider-Man, I think, this year. I think Invincible was really great. Well, now we're comparing movies to shows. Well, I'm just... We've talked about both of them on this <laughs> we episode. Have. It, I, I can't wait until next time we talk about them. Yeah. Also, no. while we're while we're here, I think that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is a stupid name, and it should have been the Legend of the Ten Bracelets. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds so much better, Gary. Wow. Thanks. Oh. Run that one through a few folks. Shang-Chi and the Master of the Ten Bangles. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Collector of Amulets. Um, <laughs> so, I, I'm sorry. Was that it, was that it for your... That it oh, for yeah, I'm all done. All right, I just have one left now after you guys... Um, because the other things were on everybody's lists, right? We all, a couple of us said Suicide Squad, a couple of us said Dune. Uh, and the last one I have isn't even from this year. Um, but it's now on streaming services, so it's the first time I've seen it, so it's new to me. <laughs> I haven't and, seen it. So uh, I think earlier Jahan was talking about how the, the Marvel shows have been a really nice escape for him uh, during, this, during the quarantines and during the pandemic. And for me, I got that feeling from Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, it is an older movie. It's a Wes Anderson movie, so it's shot in a quirky, silly way. It's got Bruce Willis. It's got uh, what's his name, the guy Bill Murray, and it's about like the a kid who's a great Boy Scout, and he's an orphan, and everyone kind of picks on him and pushes him down, and he falls in love with this girl. They're writing letters back and forth to each other. And so it's this kind of sweet coming of age story where they run away together and they have this nice little place that they make themselves in the woods to survive. Uh, and then, of course, the parents come and finally get involved. And it's, you know, it's kids who are in need and then parents who aren't paying enough attention to them. And it all comes to a head in the end. It's a great story. It was a beautiful story. And I recommend Moonrise Kingdom to everybody. See, I hate that I haven't seen it because I love Wes Anderson movies and I love like the exact story that you're telling me right now. <laughs> it's very, very good. Cause I, I don't I know why I like anytime people are like building a thing in the woods, like, or like on a deserted Island, Oh yeah, uh, like Swiss family thing. Robinson and like the oh. boxcar kids. And Oh, Jahan, you're going to love this. All right. I'll watch it. I love moonrise kingdom. Uh, it came out in 2013 or excuse me, 2012. I saw it in theaters um, and really enjoyed it. And I will just note that Gary is the only one on this podcast that could get away putting a 2012 movie on <laughs> his best of 2021 list. And I'm going to let it slide. I just want everybody out there listening, <laughs> saying, how is this guy getting away with it? Just to say, we know. Uh, we you know. Get it. But I'm, I'm going to let it Hold happen. Hold on. You know why you're going to let it happen, Drew? 
because 2012 and 2021 have all the same numbers, just mixed up in a different order. You know, it's a, just another reason why it gets to slide slide That's through the the, uh, the, the, the rigorous screening process we have set up here on the podcast. You Gary want to talk about is good at following directions. Look, I was thinking about this. Like I said, this is, uh, I figured it's our show, right? So It's our show. Yeah, you're right. We could do whatever the hell we want. It's true. It's true. We're uh, not being graded on this, except by society. Yeah, whatever. Society. <laughs> I, I already failed out of society once. I can't follow rules. Oh, um, man. What do we, what do we think about video games? Are we ready to talk games? Yeah. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Let me throw out here, um... One of my honorable mentions, I won't... Let's see. Um, I'm going to just say... <laughs> Gary will probably get mad at this, but I just want to give an honorable mention to Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I couldn't put this on my list because this isn't an... It's not new. You know, it's it's a remaster. It's it's a, it's a upgraded version of these past games that came out this year, but, you know, I just can't quantified them as 2021 games but i still really enjoyed my time with it so i just wanted to give it a shout out because i did replay all three games and really enjoyed it um that being said i have uh far cry 6 as an honorable mention it's i know it's on gary's list so we'll, we'll talk about it then and i wanted to give a shout out to forza horizon 5 um definitely had a great time with it uh it came out at a time kind of between some other big releases for me but man i played a lot of it within a couple weeks and really loved it um for what it is um i'm not like the biggest racing game fan but man it is it's something special so i I, think that forza is the best racing game for non-racing game fans to play if you're not a racing game fan and you want to play one get into forza uh, it's easy, it's fast, it's fun, it's colorful, it's bright. There's a lot of races, uh, off-road, on-road, street. Uh, there's a lot of cool challenges. And that, that just kind of, it's all you need, right? It's kind of an arcade racer. It's not as serious as the other games. Of great accessibility settings to make it, um, you know, more adaptable to how you play so that you don't feel like you're getting smoked each time. I mean, you can really make it so that you win every time if you really want to. Like, there's a lot of settings there to... You know, depending on your level of skill I was, as a racer. <laughs> I was going to shit on what you were saying. Because, uh, you know, fuck Forza. Uh, play Mario Kart. But then you started talking about accessibility options. And those are always really important. Uh, and, you know, it's good when companies do that. So I gotta... I can't shit on them. It's also really cool in Forza you can hit Y to, like, rewind. So... And you get less experience and less money for winning every time you rewind. So, like... You can drive and haul ass and then totally eat eat it, you know, eat a wall and screw up and then you hit Y, rewind, 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 and then get back and you still win your race, but you're, you know, you don't win as big, which I think is fun for a, a, a new person to racing games. You don't just want to wipe out, crash, lose the race and have to start over. That's really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to give that a shout out. Um, but for my actual list, so of course for me, four out of my five are strictly single player experiences. So go figure. That just kind of goes to show the types of games that I'm drawn to. Um, except not my number five. My number five was Halo Infinite, which I've talked about a lot in the past few weeks. Um, I was probably the highest on the multiplayer experience um, between the three of us, of course. And then I just got done with the with the campaign i did complete it and it 
had a lot of similarities to playing like a Far Cry game, except with a really cool grappling hook. And uh, I just had a great time with Halo Infinite. Um, it's a return to form for Halo. I, in, I, you know, I mean, what else can you say? Other than I had a great time with it. And I think it's, I think it's really great. And I think that they're going to continue modifying it. They've already added more playlists to the multiplayer so that you can do dedicated Team Slayer um, or Fiesta. Or I think Oh, nice. That was a big issue before. Yeah, there's a hardcore mode, I think, that's Ooh. like no shields and just battle rifles or something oh, is like it SWAT? that. Did they put SWAT back in? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. That um, was my favorite mode of Halo. And I think there's one other playlist that they added. So they're so they're working on adding that stuff. Um, they're going to continue modifying it. But yeah, uh, I I really liked Halo Infinite, but it's number five on my list. And number four was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which I've brought up before. I had a great time with this, and it's it's very similar play style to like the Marvel's Avengers game that Gary and me and Jahan have all played this year when it was added to Game Pass, except this is just very polished and strictly a single-player experience. Um, so the gameplay gets a little bit deeper there, uh, but I... I really enjoyed the story. Um, I had a great time with it. The story, it sometimes almost, sometimes the gameplay gets too held back by the story. I think there were times where there were cutscenes that were going on a little too long and I'm, I was just ready to keep playing, um, which is why it's not higher on my list. But, uh, but it did surprise me how much I enjoyed it. So, yeah, Marvel the way you talked Super about this game, I actually almost picked up because, like, I thought it looked kind of dumb. I was like, "Oh, you can only play Star Lord," blah blah blah. But you, uh, the things you said about it really solved a lot of my issues with it, and I kind of want to check it out. Here, the soundtrack's phenomenal. Uh, it looks like a fun game. Yeah, there's enough um, control over your companions in the game to make it feel like you're playing as more than just Star Lord, yeah. even though you only actually control Star Lord. Yeah, that's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Ratchet and Clank A Rift Apart, which is a PS5 exclusive. Um, I love the Ratchet and Clank games. I always have. I've loved them since high school and have played most of them. And this was just another great entry. And if you've played a Ratchet and Clank game, you kind of know what to expect. Um, but basically, expect a lot of crazy guns that you can upgrade and. Uh, kind of unleash a lot of chaos and it's it's very very charming uh it's very funny and it, the gameplay is is great my number two this is one that really surprised me how much i liked it i loved psychonauts back in the day and man did i enjoy my time with psychonauts 2 um which was you know day one game pass game this is made by double fine which microsoft acquired and uh this was just a great platformer with crazy visuals um i this just appealed to everything that i look for in in a platformer uh, like this and and then i will go to my number one which is resident evil village the eighth resident evil game and i eighth yeah yeah eighth um I Resident Evil recently took a turn to first person with the seventh game and eight yeah. continued that. And so 
it's not the longest game, but just the atmosphere and everything with the story. I, I've just become a huge fan of the Resident Evil games, and that's really grown within the past couple of years and and these new entries. And there's nothing like playing a Resident Evil game through for the first time. Yeah, uh, they're built for replayability and continuous upgrading. But man, the first playthrough is just always so special. So I actually yeah. uh, because you kept talking about it uh, over and over again, so I jumped back into seven. Uh, I'm gonna beat seven now because I really want to play Village. Uh, I keep hearing good things, and uh, I've been enjoying seven a lot. And there have been times when I was like, "Man, I think I'm gonna have a panic attack" because like it gets intense, man. Like it, they got me a lot uh, already. Uh, and I'm also very upset with myself that I didn't realize until just now uh, that Village <laughs> has eight right there in the oh, yeah. in Roman numeral. I didn't notice that until just now. I L L. Yep. It's it's like the uh, Resident Evil Six. Uh, Kayvon told me that the six is a man blowing a giraffe, uh, and I can't unsee it now. So you should take another look at that. And oh. you won't be able to unsee it either. Oh. That reminds me of a nativity scene and how I can never see Jesus <laughs> oh and Mary praying over a baby and now it looks like two dinosaurs screaming in an egg. Oh, right. Right. I've seen that. Jahan, give me your top game of the year <laughs> and let's, uh, let's get through this so that we can... We've been going for, what, close to an hour and a half. So, yeah, let's, let's yeah, get through let's, these games. We're almost there, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my number one... Uh, number five, sorry. Uh, I, so I didn't play... I tried to keep it to games that came out this year. I didn't play a lot of new games this year, but I played some. So, uh, Orcs Must Die 3. Um, it is the continuation of one of my favorite series, period, ever. I love it. Had a lot of fun. Me and Gary played the shit out of it together. Uh, I could have done with more, but it's not a full-price game, so I kind of gave them a pass on the lack of uh, content. But... It was fun. I had a lot of fun. It was a decent continuation of the series. I love the Orcs Must Die games. I think Orcs Must Die 3 is probably the best one of the bunch so far, just because of the, the co-op and the use of items. They really cleaned up a lot of quality of life stuff with the game. Yeah. Um, and I would not be surprised to see it on Xbox Game Pass next year. It, 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 yeah. And I'll replay the whole thing with Jahan on Xbox again. Yeah, the first Orcs Must Die was actually free with Games with Gold uh, recently. So uh, I would argue that the second one's the best one. But yeah, Chivalry 2 is my number four game. Chivalry uh, 2 is also on my list. Yeah, so it's on both of our lists. Uh, Chivalry 2 is the game we always wanted as kids. That's what me and Gary always say. Uh, it is a first person, you can play a third person, uh, medieval combat game. Uh, every single map. Is played differently. You're not doing team de- just team deathmatch. You're not doing just capture the flag. Uh, every single one, you have to. This level, you have to siege the walls. This level, you have to man the catapult. You know, like it's always one level, different. You have to blow up battleships and yeah. then siege a castle and then fight the monks inside and then destroy the relics in the temple. The and game so, modes are so varied and yes. wonderful. You're uh, kind of always doing the same thing, which is running headlong into a melee combat. Um, but other than that, <laughs> you've got new objectives, but the whole time it's just a wall of clanging weapons and flesh and disembodied people, uh, and, and they have done things for the holidays like free holiday hats and helmets, 
and there are Christmas presents and trees and stuff on the map, so the anvils are wrapped up nice in wrapping paper. So now when you throw an anvil off a building and smash somebody's head in, it's a nice, pretty Christmas anvil. Um, so it's nice to see that they've continued to grow, continue to yes. expand and support their community. They've had three or four updates this year, and the game came out in 2021. So we're, we're big fans of Chivalry 2. This, when Jahan says it's the game we wanted as kids, I remember playing Goldeneye way back on N64 and saying, like, you know, why isn't there a medieval melee version of this? Why can't we use crossbows yeah. and axes and shields? And when For Honor came out, I was really excited for that game, but it felt almost more like an arcade fighter or a rock, paper, scissors game. Yeah, yeah Chivalry 2 really feels like a first-person murder melee combat game. It's half price game. It doesn't have a main story. It's online play only, and the cross-platform compatibility is pretty trash. Yes. So if you're going to get it, get it on the same system as a friend so you can play together. Yeah, it it's great. It The combat's gripping, and we love it, and highly recommended. I was literally playing it up until I got on the stream tonight. I, I had two hours before the stream, and it's not like enough time to get into a lot of different video games. But two hours is enough time to jump in, slash, beat up, and then quit back out. The game doesn't have a ranked <laughs> mode. No. It, nothing really matters. So it just lets you get some stress and aggression out and then move on. It's not a game you feel like you're stuck playing. It is a fun game. Absolutely. Uh, my number three, uh, Pokemon Unite. Uh, Pokemon Unite is a free-to-play MOBA game uh, that is available on Switch, I believe on your phone as well. Uh, it is like that League of Legends style, but much more simplified. Uh, you get to play as your favorite Pokemon. They have released like 10 or 15 already since like launch. They've released a lot of different Pokemon. Uh, I still play it to this day. Uh, me and Jenny like to play it together. It's it's fun. It is a fun game. Uh, and it's not as stressful as League of Legends. It's a little more forgiving. Uh, and the matches are about 10 minutes max so like it's it's a lot less of a commitment uh but pokemon unite check it out if you haven't it's free uh you can't beat free you know what i mean and it's a good game uh and then my number two game of the year oh honestly one of the only releases uh one of the few releases that i was like super excited for that i've been waiting for darks dungeon 2 uh they take that uh like, play till you die kind of thing in a different direction. This is more of a roguelike. Uh, the previous game, you could lose people, you could lose whole squads, but still continue. Uh, in Darkest Dungeon 2, it's like Oregon Trail, uh, where you're heading on a path, and you have one squad of people, and if you die, you're done. Your run is over, you have to start over. But the progress that you make uh, in the character's storylines, which unlocks moves, stays. So... It has that roguelike feel. It's a lot of fun, and it has some of the most unique combat and features of any game I've played. Uh, it, it's a game that truly stands alone. Uh, and then, my number one game. Uh, and not just mine. Uh, this this one game of the year. Uh, and I got to play it with my buddy Alan, and we played it. Uh, we finished it recently, actually. Uh, and It Takes Two. Fantastic uh, game. The puzzles are fun. Uh, it is as co-op as possible. You have to play with another person. Uh, and you can see both screens on your screen, even when you're playing online. It's always split screen. Um, 
you both always have different powers and they always change uh, zone to zone. You get new one. The first one, you have nails that you can throw and stick to stuff. Uh, the other player has a hammer and you have to use those in combination to like throw nails into a wall while you jump with a hammer uh, and you have to work in tandem. Uh, all the while trying to save your relationship because your daughter doesn't want you I to get divorced. I heard a divorced. firework. I heard a firework. Oh no. <laughs> Finally. Sorry, I was just excited that I heard one in, through one of your mics. I, I didn't hear it, so it might have been Gary. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think it was actually on yours, Jahan. Oh, maybe it was mine. I didn't hear it. Uh, but yes, It Takes Two. Uh, it won Game of the Year and it won Co-op Game of the Year. If you, if you have someone you play games with, and even if they're not that into games, this game, you got to play it. You got to find a friend, somebody. Play this game. It's amazing. Uh, and that that's my top five of 2021. For, and it uh, gets Jahan so excited that he doesn't even hear fireworks going off outside of his house. I didn't, no, I didn't hear it. Well, I got this, like, I shoved this thing too far into my ear, I think. <laughs> I only have three games left on my top four list because I don't think there are five games that were great this year. Um, Jahan and I talked about It was about a Shovel weird Rage. year for games. It was a great year for streaming shows, though, so no problem. No hate there, man. I got to watch a lot of shows this year that I really loved, so, uh, you know, you don't have to spend as much money on games because you're already paying for streaming shows, right? So go enjoy your, your streaming shows. Um, Deep Rock Galactic, it's actually a three-year-old game, but they are continuing to uh, develop and release new content for the game. They just recently did. They always do free updates for Deep Rock Galactic. So they and when those come out, they release it with a skin pack that you can buy that you don't have to buy. So you always get the, the good content and you can choose to give them money. So I think this formula is working for Ghost Ship Games. They've continued to give us awesome new stuff. We got new worlds, we got new missions. And just like two or three weeks ago, we get a new primary weapon for every single class. And then in like April, we're getting new secondary weapons for every single class. Now they're starting to do seasonal events with different enemies and different skins and different things you can unlock. So Deep Rock Galactic has continued to grow day over day over day for three years steadily. And they continue to give back to their people. They do. Uh, no extra play. charge. No extra charge at all. And when we got this game, I think it was the $30 game. Now, Deep Rock Galactic is on Xbox Game Pass, which means it's on PC, Xbox PC Game Pass. Yeah. So, play Deep Rock Galactic. This is, without a doubt, Deep Rock Galactic is one of the top three co-op games of all time. Period. Yeah, I no, definitely. love Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, it, it will probably always be on my Xbox until the day I die. Or until the day they make Deep Rock Galactic 2 or whatever else uh, Ghost Ship Games and Coffee Stain Publishing release. I I love that engine and that play style. I After agree with that, everything Gary said. All of it, <laughs> top to bottom. Fantastic game. Amazing uh, constant updates of content. And actually, you know what's funny is um, I recently got an Xbox Series X. And so my Xbox One uh, we, we gave to my wife. And it has some of the old games on it. Some of them are uninstalled. But she and I have now been playing Deep Rock Galactic together. And she loves Deep Rock also. So we've been I've, I've been having fun getting to start playing it all over again from the start with somebody. Um, my last two games, one of them, of course, is Far Cry 6, which Drew and I talked about just briefly. I love Far Cry. I, I love... Ever since, like, Far Cry 3. Uh, I really liked that open world... 
and the way that they teeter the line almost like Saints Row. Uh, they're just on that line of realism and too silly and too wacky and too unbelievable, but then they reel it back into believability and then they push you back <laughs> over the line. And that's kind of how Far Cry operates. And, and that's what I love so much about Saints Row is there's a lot of it that's believable, but there's just as much of it that is a video game. And, and Far Cry 6 does a great job where I, I think the last you know 15 hours or so I played the game I had a heat-seeking fireworks launcher, and I just ran around shooting everybody with fireworks for, like, hours and hours. I was unstoppable. And then I found out that you could customize your outfit without changing it. Like, you could just change the appearance of it. Uh, so I look fly as hell now. I look sweet. I love the game. Uh, they added a mission with Danny Trejo, where Danny Trejo gives you a motorcycle with a minigun in it. <laughs> so, like, they, it's just... I love Far Cry. It's it's nuts. It's nuts and it's fun. I think the problem with Far Cry is that it's long as hell if you're trying to 100% it. And at some point you will get Far Cry fatigue because there's only so many times you can airdrop yeah. and take over a base and then airdrop and take over a base. Um, and I enjoyed Far Cry up until about the last day I was playing it. Then I beat it and it's down now. I'm totally with you there, Gary. I think it's probably the only reason that I didn't make it into my actual top five because I probably played Far Cry 6 more than any other game I played this year. Like, I put a lot of hours into it, but for sure, by the end of it, I was kind of just trying to check all the boxes beyond the point of when I was actually having that much fun with it i guess i really did enjoy it i thought the story was great i liked the cutscenes and really kind of putting a third person perspective on those and, and giving you more story i thought that really worked for far cry um but yeah it, it it just you get that open world fatigue when you spend too much time trying to check off every little thing on the map that's right um, um, just kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately. Far Cry, I thought in this one, in Far Cry 6, they continue their trend of having awesome villains. Like you said, the story was a lot of fun. Far Cry always has these very compelling villains. And even the heroes aren't quite as compelling. Some of the heroes are fun or comedic relief, but all of the villains have this rich story to tell. And they're not just bad for badness sake. Um, and I think Far Cry 6, again, has a lot of that. The villain's horrible. He's a monster and you hate him. But he didn't just wake up horrible after one day. He he became that way because of his family history. And you get to see behind the scenes and how he responds and reacts and why he makes the decisions that make him a villain. Uh, Far Cry 6, absolutely great. Uh, I, I would give them $30 now for Far Cry 7. I don't care where it's set. I don't care where it's about. I don't care who the main characters are, but I will play Far Cry 7 and they can have my money. The... The very last game I have for 2021 is uh, totally something that I never even thought I would enjoy. Um, uh, it's a, a roguelike deck builder, and it's this is Jahan's fault that I... I was just about game. to ask if it was my fault. Yeah, so you actually turned me on to Slay the Spire, mm. and then after Slay the Spire came Monster Train, and we were playing it one night, um, me and you were both on a headset together just playing Monster Train, just shooting the shit, and I fell in love with deck-building roguelike games. Um, Annie and I, same thing. This is another game that Annie plays. It's on both of our Xboxes. This is just a sweatpants game, yeah. you know, uh, and... and Building decks is fun. Strategy is fun. Monster Train added an expansion. 
that added new monsters and new cards and a lot new uh, a lot of new passive relics and items that changed the way that you play every single time. Um, and now I like real life deck building board games, and so that's yeah. another thing. But you know that game yeah, I've gotten you in all kinds of deck building games. Yeah, no, Monster Train is also a critically acclaimed uh, game that got a lot of. Uh, good reviews. Uh, actually, uh, as I have the picture pulled up here, it has five stars uh, yeah, with 13,000 reviews. Uh, that's crazy. Um, it is... Yeah, I love roguelike deck builders. I'm glad that you like them now, too. Can't wait for more Slay the Spire. I don't even know if I love roguelike deck builders yet, but th- uh, there's a certain thing about Monster Train and Slay the Spire, both of those, that are very good. And not every roguelike deck builder is very good. No, I tried a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, some of them are very bad, right? Uh, but these two, those two particular, Monster Train and Slay the Spire, are particularly good. And Monster Train and its expansion, I, I would say buy it. I, you know, it, it may not be for you, so maybe don't buy it. But it's on Game Pass, so you can play it for free before you decide to buy it. Yes. Uh, I say for free with quotes, air quotes for free because Game Pass is not for free, but it is still the greatest investment in modern gaming. It's the best value in gaming, yeah. Uh, I would like to mention that there is a new, like, critically acclaimed deck builder going on right now called Inscription. Uh, maybe you like that one. That one is right now doing the rounds, and it's supposed to be really good. So, um, Inscription. All that right. was it for our list, right? That was. That I, was it. I had a single honorable mention for uh, video games. It didn't make it to my list because it fell flat in some places. But Back for Blood, the first playthrough, playing with friends, so much fun. I had a blast. Thank you, Back for Blood, for that. Uh, it doesn't. I don't feel like it has the same replayability as Left for Dead, but it was fun for a playthrough. Fair enough. Well, great lists, everybody. We will wrap it up because I think we're starting to run a, run a little, little long and we're recording another episode tonight. So we will cut it off there. Where can everybody find you guys? Uh, I'm Jahananon at RockFact on Twitter, at Jahananon1 on TikTok. I'm CasualtyCDG at CasualtyCDG on all the social medias. And of course, you can find us every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on Fresh Out the Box. We have a Twitch, we have a YouTube, we have a Facebook. We're always playing tabletop games and board games and trying to interview awesome people from the industry. I'm Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter, and this has been episode 26 of Fresh Out the Podcast. And uh, that's it. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, Stay fresh, and uh, we'll see you next time.